John chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. We're going to read this in the ESV. We do have ESV Bibles under uh, your chairs, um, but if you have your own Bible or a Bible app, you can look there as well. We'll also project it up here. We'll give you a chance to look that up. Again, it's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. And uh, once you've found the scripture, once you're ready to read the scripture, if we can, uh, we, we ask that you please stand as able if you're here in person. I guess you can stand at home if you really want to. <laughs> All right. And I'll be reading it, uh, but we will respond with uh, uh, thanks be to God at the end. All right. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, we are continuing in this kind of mega sermon series where we're talking about life, period. And last week, uh, just kind of as a a way of um, reminding us, we were talking about uh, our true identity and that our true identity is that we are children of God. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to to join us last week, you can always go to our our YouTube channel and there's archives of all our past sermons. But I would highly, highly encourage that you you listen to that. Um, And and just, you know, it it is who we really are. Uh, For many of us, we, we have this battle that goes on within us that we're trying to find who we are. And many people try to find it in their 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 career. Or they try to find it by trying to be a good person or in their relationships or, you know, in in their their emotional state or whatever it may be or feeling like, you know, that you have all the toys or, right? Like there are these different ways that we try to win at life and we try to prove that we're really worth something. But the truth of the matter is, is that who you are at your core is that you are a child of God. It is already given. You don't need to hustle. You You don't need to prove anything anymore. Right? It is just given. It is just, a, 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 just an undeniable fact that you can live out of that truth. You can live out of that rock-solid truth that you are a child of God. I know, there I go, preaching last week's message. But that was the message, right? And it's so important that it bears repeating. But friends, I understand that for many of us, it's so basic in so many ways. It, it, like, it's almost like it's too basic. And we almost don't believe it because we're like, well, but Pastor Steve, that, that just doesn't make me special. The ego doesn't like that. Right? The ego feels like, no, 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 I still need to prove that I'm special, that I'm something. It's not enough that I'm a child of God. I still got to get that degree. I still got to do those things. And friends, we talked about this last week. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with getting a degree. There's nothing wrong with getting a job. There's nothing wrong with living in this world. You have to live in this world. But if you live out of that identity, you are going to find that, number one, it's not true. 
And number two, it can't really give you life. And so, friends, sometimes we gloss over this fact that we are a child of God because we're like, yeah, 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 Pastor Steve, I know that. Yeah, of course. I knew that from the time I was really young, you know, in Sunday school or whatever. But the question is, are you living out of that truth? Because if you were living out of this truth, we would have a different kind of reality. Dallas Willard calls this different kind of reality or um, that, that uh, uh, well, not just Dallas Willard, but the Bible's way of talking about this reality is the kingdom of God. And Dallas Willard uh, writes that he believes that one of the marks of living in the kingdom of God is not having anxiety, right? Because we already talked about that, that anxiety is a part of fear. There's a spirit of fear that's leading us, but living in the kingdom of God is living in a place where you are led and grounded and you are surrounded by the spirit of love. So, friends, let me ask you a question. If you do believe this, if it's so obvious that you are a child of God, why are we not able to live like it so often? So I just put up these gifts of people where, you know, there's someone anxious, there's someone who, like, kind of looks like dead inside, you know, doing this office job. Uh, there's somebody who just is, is just in anger or resentment. This little girl is so angry. She's so cute, but she's so angry, you know. And friends, you know, where are you at most of the time? I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect. And for me, as somebody who, who, you know, like this is my job, I'm a pastor, I'm not perfect. I don't always live in that reality that I'm a child of God and that I'm loved and safe. But friends, you know, I don't want to kid ourselves that there is a difference in how you live if you are living out of this reality that you are a child of God, right? It's a different kind of qualitative experience. And there are many, many people, I believe, in the church, even. People who call themselves Christians and probably are Christians. You know, don't get me wrong. It's not about labels. But they're not living out of this source of life. They're still playing the games of this world. And sometimes we just use religion for those games, right? Like, oh, man, look at how much I pray. Um, I've had a quiet time every day for the last five years. And it's like pride. You know, and by the way, some of those things are good things, right? But we're still living out of the same sources of fear that the rest of the world is, this insecurity that we don't know who we are. We have to kind of prove it, you know? And so, friends, I want to talk today about how we can genuinely live from the source. And the source is God. And the source is his love. How do you actually live out of that? And so John 15, it's a very well-worn passage, very famous. And it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. It's a very very interesting kind of um, imagery. If you're reading this in the NIV or different translations, sometimes it says gardener. But I kind of like that, vine dresser. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So that's obviously Jesus talking. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, friends, I think this is a way of saying um, that maybe there's some people who are kind of like, you, you know, call themselves Christians or, or trying to live like, like, you know, they have some of the marks of living in the kingdom of God. But they're not bearing fruit. What is fruit? What are we talking about when it talks about fruit? One place where it talks about fruit is it talks about the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? 
And he says, against such things there is no law. This is what the Spirit produces. It produces all of these things. And so, friends, there might be some people who are like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in God. But that stuff is not coming out of them. You don't see a lot of love. There's sometimes, man, I, I see Christians, and there's not a lot of joy either. <laughs> you know, you do these things because it's almost like, like you have to. Like, oh, I guess I'll go to church. Guess I have to read my Bible. Or even worse, you're always feeling bad about not reading the Bible. Or you're scared. Or you're like, man, you know, if I don't read the Bible, there's something wrong with me. And there's, there's not much joy there. This isn't meant to be uh, something to scare you. Or it's not meant to, to be something to make you feel bad. It's just, it, it's just the way many of us are. And if we're in disconnection, there's a simple solution to this, right? You've got to connect to the vine. Because we are not getting the life that is supposed to be coming when you are connected to the vine, right? And so when you are connected to the vine, and, and, and you know, this is one of the things why the vine dresser is important. It's this idea that you're not supposed to be perfect. God knows that. God knows you're not going to be perfect. So he's going to work on you. He's going to prune some of those, you know, rough edges off of you. He's going to help you to stay connected to the vine and to be even more fruitful, right? But this idea of being connected to the vine. You may have heard it before, but friends, it does mean that you are not doing the heavy lifting anymore. Your job is simply to figure out, how do I stay connected to this vine? We're going to talk more about what that means. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, right? So we have received the word of God, but there's more that we need, not just hearing it, but abiding in it. It says, abide in me and I in you. What does that word abide mean? Does anyone know? We're going to make this an interactive sermon. Any, anyone? This is one of my pet peeves, by the way. I love the ESV, but sometimes they'll use language like this that no one uses anymore. Have you ever said to someone, um, hey, um, Rachel, I'm going to abide at your house today. What does that mean even? Right? It just means remain, stay, stay put. Right? So I'm going to remain in Christ. Stay with him. I'm not going anywhere, right? I'm, I'm, I will remain in you, and you will remain in me. As the branch uh, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So one of the things that is really cool about this is the pressure is off. If, if all it is is that we are supposed to be in Christ, right, remain in Christ, really the source of life is Christ. It's not you. And so many of us, we worry about how can I be a good person? I heard one of the small groups had a really good discussion last week when they were talking about this idea of being a child of God. And they're like, okay, so we're a child of God and it's just given. But what is the difference between that and being a good person? It's a good question. But in many ways, if you are connected to the vine, you don't really have to worry about it because the fruit will come, right? We don't have to be so anxious we, we, we don't have to be so preoccupied with trying to make the fruit grow. So can you imagine, friends, that, like, just imagine right now that my arm is a branch. Can you guys imagine that? Right? And I wanted to grow some fruit. How would I do that? Would I just be like, grow fruit? Come on! I like to take every opportunity I can to flex. No, I'm just kidding. But, friends, would it make any difference if I flexed, if I worked hard, if I thought about it, if I worried about it, if I was anxious about it, if I felt guilty about it, it's not going to do a thing. 
right? Especially if this arm, I know this is hard to, to picture, but if this arm was detached from my body, <laughs> right? It, it, it ain't doing anything because it doesn't have life on its own. And this is the truth with us, that when we are attached from God, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, no thing. You do nothing, except you live in the flesh, and you live on that level, and you live out of the spirit of fear, right? And so we know the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, a lot of good stuff that's meant to come out of you when you are in connection with God. But what is coming out of you if you're not? A lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, we're living out of that old self. Remember, we talked about the four Fs. We talked about, you know, f- fighting and fleeing and um, feeding and reproducing and, you know, uh, the, 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 these different things that you live out of that that's pretty much all we can do. We, we, we only do fear. We only do survival, right? And for many people, you see that it, it's a very kind of self-centered life. It's very selfish. A lot of the things you see in the fruit of the Spirit, it's so generous, it's so giving. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and, and these are such good things that, that can bless other people and can spread to other people. But when you're living out of the little self, if you're living disconnected, we're just worried about our survival in many ways. We suspect. We don't have much life there. We live in a life of scarcity. Right? And that branch that's disconnected from the vine just knows that its days are numbered. Well, I better go and get mine because I'm about to shrivel up and die. So I got to go and be selfish. I got to go and try to get as much life as I can. But it doesn't last. So friends, today's message is called life from the source. And so, you know, sometimes I use the, the, the analogy of, you know, plugging into an electrical socket because in many ways... That's sort of like the way that I understand it, is that I get my life, I get my vitality, right? I get my, my love, my joy, my peace, my, my patience, all of this stuff. I get it from God. I cannot self-generate it. And this is one of the things that's really hard to convince people of because almost no one lives this way. Almost no one lives as if you must be connected to God to live. I'm telling you, I didn't. I mean, there's so many times as a pastor, and, and I'm telling you, as a pastor, right, someone who had grown up in the church, somebody who's serving God, there's so many times where I really did not believe that I needed to be connected to God. Not really. I mean, of course I would have told you that. If I read John 15, I'd preach a mean sermon on John 15, but then I would go home and, you know, if I was feeling tired or lonely or depressed or anxious, you know what I would do? I would do probably the same stuff you all do. Get on your phone. You know, I probably, you know, get something good to eat, find a way to distract myself, try, try to find a way to make myself feel better, right? And friends, again, I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. I'm just saying it doesn't really work, at least not in the long run. You get a little bit of life from that, like, I guess, a little bit of enjoyment, a little bit of distraction. But then what happens? You're still tired, still depressed, you're still lonely. And it's one of the things that we see in life is that the natural solutions that we all do out of our own feelings, of course, that's what you feel like doing. When I go home, that's what I feel like doing. I feel like taking a nap, or I feel like distracting myself, or reaching for that low-hanging fruit, whatever's going to just make me feel better in the moment. But everybody does that. 
And you see so many people are living just half-lives, not really happy. They're not really fulfilled, right? They're, they're, I mean, anxiety and, and depression, they're epidemic at this point. So many people are living out of that. And yes, they are absolutely free to do whatever they want, but the things that they are doing are not producing life. Does that make sense? And so this is one of the really insidious things, is that when you are operating from the level of flesh, it's all about your desires, what you feel like doing, right? And so the days that I don't feel like, like, like praying, I really don't feel like praying, I feel like doing something else, those are the days I usually need to pray the most. Yeah? You guys hear that? The days where I really don't feel like praying, those are the days I need to pray the most. You know what I mean? And it's one of these things where we have to start kind of being suspicious of your feelings and your emotions. Your feelings and your emotions, oftentimes, they operate out of the old self. There's not a lot of, of, of life that comes from that, right? It's just about survival. And we reach for those things because they make us feel better for a moment. They make us forget our problems. In a way, we are hiding from the problems, but the problems are not going away. But what if I were to tell you that, as it says in the Bible, that the source is God, creator of the whole universe, right? This is not just a made-up idea, but an actual being who created everything, who has all of the power. Wouldn't you want to get connected to that as opposed to me? Right? I mean, just think about it. I know this, this sounds kind of silly, guys, but if you just think about it for a moment, like, I, if, if I have a, a problem within myself, and I've got, like, the smartest, most capable, powerful person in the world next to me, and then there's me. Who's not? And, and, and I have a problem, and I'm trying to solve it. Who do you think would be the most equipped to take care of that problem? You know what I mean? If you have God here, why don't we use God? Why don't we get connected to God? Why don't we buddy up with God and say, God, I've got to be with you? Right? And, and that in many ways, friends, when we connect to God, it is about life. It is the life that he gives us. Right? The, 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 the love that he gives us, yes, but it is a source of power in many ways. We are able to live a life in a way that we're not able to live. But friends, I got to tell you, so many messages like this, I've heard this message many times, and maybe you have too. But usually what just ends up happening so I hear a message like this, and I just feel guilty. I just feel bad. I'm like, yeah, I'm not praying enough, Pastor. I'm not praying enough. I know it. I know it. I know it. And friends, I'm just here to tell you that this is just, it, it's not helpful. It really isn't a helpful kind of energy to live out of. That guilt, that shame, it's not bringing about life. And I got to tell you, um, I don't know if you guys can kind of see, but I have this problem that there's something wrong with my charger where, um, like, I have one of those wireless chargers, and I, I think, like, I don't know, I got it from, like, Amazon, so it, it was, like, an off-brand thing, and it doesn't always work, and I have to, like, situate my, my phone exactly on that charger for it to make that good connection, and if it doesn't make that connection, it doesn't charge, so this morning, when my phone didn't charge, um, I was like, man, I feel so guilty. It feels so bad. No, of course not. It just didn't charge, right? You know, and, and friends, I, I feel like the way that we feel as Christians, 
you know, like, like it, it's almost like when we don't pray or when we don't read the Bible, when we're not in connection with God, it's almost like, like, like feeling bad about not eating. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it's just nonsense. It, like, it's not helpful. You know, on one level, like, like, of course, you have to eat. You should eat. Eating is good for you. If you don't eat, you're going to die, right? Or you're going to lose energy. You're going to pass out, right? There are many reasons why you should eat. But you shouldn't eat because you felt bad about it. You know what I mean? That's not the main point. And when we're not praying and when we're not in connection with God, we're not having the life that God wants for us. And so maybe you find that you're more irritable than you used to be, you know? Uh, this is what I find. When I'm in disconnection with God, I, I, I know it. I know it because I, I'm, just, I'm just ticked off at everyone. I'm like the most uh, vengeful driver you will ever see. Just everyone who's making a mistake, I'm like, I got to teach you a lesson. I know I'm not living in connection at that moment. You know what I mean? And, and for a lot of us, friends, like you're anxious, you're afraid. It's not something to feel bad about. It's just you're out of connection. You know what I mean? You, you lost that contact and you're not living out of your true life. And so the answer isn't, oh, feel bad about it and try harder. Again, remember the vine. Mm, trying harder doesn't do anything. You just need to get in connection again, right? That's the answer, right? Like, like oh, I feel so bad that my phone didn't charge. No, I just need to charge it. I need to find a charger that works and get a good connection. That's it, right? You're hungry, go get something to eat. There's nothing to feel bad about. Right? And if you're, in, you're disconnected from God, you have the opportunity to connect. And so it continues, and it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Again, friends, I'm just saying that I don't read this as a punitive thing, but I think what it's saying is that in many ways, if you are not in connection, you're going to shrivel. It's just going to happen. You know, you're going to lose that, that, that vital, you know, the vine is nice and lush and green, and after a while, it, it'll lose its color. It, you know, the branch, it, it starts to get brittle, and, and, and it may not happen right away, and that's one of the things that happens when we're living in disconnection from God. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. You know, um, I have this thing that this is so, like, not scientific, and this is so not in the Bible, but I'm just saying that if I don't pray for, like, an entire day, I call it, like, a 24-hour lag, I know this sounds kind of funny. It's, it, I know, like, God's probably like, Pastor Steve, it doesn't really work this way. But this is the way that I kind of feel. Like, when I am in connection with God, when, when, when I spend that time in prayer and those kinds of things, it's, it's almost like it's good for about 24 hours. <laughs> and then after that, I really start to feel the effects. You know? And so sometimes I don't have a quiet time, and I'm like, oh, I didn't need to do it. I'm totally fine. And then the next day, man, I'm so irritable. I'm so anxious, or whatever, you know? I'm not living out of that source anymore, you know? Um, so sometimes, yeah, there's a little bit of a lag. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples, right? It, it is the Father's will that we bear fruit. And it says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is what we're talking about. We are trying to remain in what? In connection with God. But what does that mean? I know we're talking about vines and branches and all this stuff, and you can kind of lose it, right? And this is part of the reason why the guilt is not helpful. Because you're not just abiding in some belief in God. You're abiding in love, right? 
You got to know who you are. And that love, it's from God. And that love is completely unconditional. And it's not because you were such an awesome person and you disciplined yourself so well that you're able to pray that God loves you. It's not because you cleaned up your life and you're free of all the obvious sins that plague everyone else and you're better than all of them and then God is like, oh yeah, I love you so much. It has nothing to do with that. You're just loved because God is love. You're not loved because you were so good. You're not loved because you proved something. There's nothing to prove anymore. You remember Jesus on the cross? And there are people who are literally mocking him and spitting on him actively as he's dying and they're like yeah good you faker you liar you, you right like like they're saying all these terrible things about jesus and jesus is like father forgive them for they know not what they do man that is radical stuff he's even extending forgiveness and love to those people who are actively rejecting him and, and you think god's going to reject you because you forgot to have a quiet time this week we haven't read the Bible in a little bit? No. Friends, the invitation is always there, right? And, and oftentimes when I'm feeling guilty about not spending time with God, it doesn't drive me to God. It drives me away from God. Why? Because it brings you right back into the spirit of fear, right? And then the spirit of fear, it's not so great. You're feeling anxious. It feels like a threat. And you're like, okay, I need to go do something to distract myself. I got to do something to feel better. I need to fight, flight, feed, or whatever, right? And I got to do these things, and it makes me feel better, and I'm not in the spirit. I'm not in the spirit. You know what I mean? And even if I do pray, it's often not done in a spirit of love. It's done from this spirit of obligation. It's really fear, right? And oftentimes, the spirit for me as a pastor was I don't want to feel like a hypocrite. I don't want to feel judged. I don't want to feel like people see me and they think I'm fake. So I'm just going to pray and say that I did it so that I can feel like I have some integrity. There's no love there. Or very little. You know what I mean? I'm sure God was able to use it a little bit because God is God, right? But friends, learning to really love God, it's not easy. But this is what God wants, is he wants you to abide in that truth you're a child of God. You're just loved. Just receive it. You don't have to do anything to earn it, right? And so, friends, the question remains, how do you abide in the love of Christ in your everyday life? It is a great, great message, right? And, and it's, it's something so obvious for us. But I got to tell you, as I've been reading the scripture recently, and even this past week as I was preparing this message, there was a, a little kind of subtle shift within me where I was reading this passage and there was just some things that were kind of pinging for me because I, I realized that for a lot of times, the way that I talk about this message, the grand conclusion is, go have your quiet time. Okay, amen. <laughs> go read the Bible, right? And it's almost like we think the only times you can connect to God are in these very specific religious ways. And I think God is just way more given than that. I think God is way more available to that than that. And sometimes it is this feeling like, Wherever I am right now, this is not where God is, but God is maybe in my prayer closet. God is maybe at LGM, or God is at the retreat center, or God is in some very specific location in a specific time. But friends, I want you to take a look at real quick Psalm 139, really, really famous psalm. And it says, where shall I go from your spirits? The spirit of God, how we experience God and his love. 
Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, this is like the underworld, right? Like, so if, if I go to hell, or, or, okay, maybe not hell, but if I'm in, like, under the ground, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. The picture that Scripture paints of God is not of some old man sitting in a cloud way far away somewhere in outer space. It is of a God who is obviously invisible. You can't see him, but his presence is everywhere. Everywhere. And friends, do you think God just wants you to plug in the source once a day? No. He wants you to live out of that all the time. And messages like this and remaining in Christ doesn't make sense to us because what Jesus is saying is remain in me all the time. And for most of us, we're like, yeah, but that's impossible. And so we just think it's like, like a metaphor, you know? We just think that it's just like, oh, okay, well, that would be nice, but I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I have to go to school, right? I can't be literally on my knees praying all the time. I can't be reading the Bible all the time. And friends, yes, some of those things that we talked about, we'll, we'll get back to it, but those are ways of connecting with God. They absolutely are. I really, really think having a daily prayer time is important, but I really think God is more available than that. He's not just in your daily quiet time. He's everywhere. And you have an opportunity to live out of that spirit of love every moment of every day. I believe that. I believe that. But there are some things that I think we need to understand and that would be helpful. So just, just quick, a quick four things about how to abide I almost called them Connect Four, but I thought that would be too cute. You guys know the game Connect Four? But anyways, uh, yeah, how to abide. So first thing is to disconnect from distraction. Friends, this is one of the great spiritual problems of this age is we are so distracted. Right? I call our phones the distraction device. Right? Any moment you feel perturbed, you feel anxious, you feel bored, there's any th hint of threat, you go to your phone, and it is a way of soothing you. Right? It's almost like a Pavlovian thing for many of us. The moment you're just sitting there and you feel the slightest bit of discomfort, we're not connecting with the Spirit of God, we're connecting with the iPhone. Right? We're connecting with Android. We're connecting with the Internet. And, and those things, they do make us feel better. And I'm not saying that phones are bad or evil. By no means. Right? I'm not getting rid of my phone anytime soon. But what I am saying is that could there be ways where we learn to disconnect from that distraction sometimes. You know what I mean? Because the thing that distraction is doing, it is not solving your problem. It's just taking your mind off of it for a little bit. And the problem is still there. And this is why we have so many iPhones and all of these ways to distract ourselves and supposedly make ourselves feel better, and we are no less depressed. We're probably more depressed. As a society, we're more anxious. Right? Because you're distracting yourself and the problem is actually not going away. And the thing that's probably even worse is now you're hiding. Right? You're, you're, you're not dealing with it and you're building a pattern 
of the moment anything goes wrong, the moment anything is stressful or anxious, you just, your mind goes away into this place. So friends, sometimes we have to disconnect from this so that we can live in a different kind of spirit. For those moments, it doesn't feel anxious, right? Or not super anxious, but it's still there. It's just like, like, like the anxiety is there and you're just kind of looking away from it for a moment, but it's still there. You know what I mean? And so friends, you know, if we could then take our whatever feelings we're having and to give those things to God in that moment, to know, God, you are here in this moment that is stressful or whatever, right? And friends, that spirit of God, what it says is that even if there is something highly, highly uncomfortable, right? There's that song we sing, uh, Another in the Fire. You guys know that? It's the Shadnag, uh, Meshach, and Abednego story of those three dudes who were not following um, what the emperor was telling them to do, but they were following what God wanted them to do. And so the emperor, uh, the king, throws them in a fire. And they're in the fiery furnace, and they don't get burned up. Why? Because there's another in the fire. There's like literally another person. And, and it, it was like a, a, an angel or the presence of God. And that angel or the presence of God was shielding them from the fire and was there with them. And friends... Maybe it's not that dramatic for you, but knowing in your heart of hearts that someone else is with you, and it's not just a friend, but it is Almighty God who is with you, right? And you feel safe. You just have a different way of being, and you need to know that, and you need to be able to access that. Um, this past week, I went to uh, uh, the park, and I often go to the park. It's one of the ways that I try to connect to God, um, Nature has a wonderful way of doing this. And when I was at the park, um, I was like going up this, this, uh, this bridge that's at Gallup Park. And the bridge is like kind of like curved a little bit. And so there was a guy who was standing, um, he was like looking out at the river. I like to do this too. And he was just kind of hanging off like this. And the way he was standing, like, like I couldn't see behind him, but the way he was standing and he kind of had like this really subtle smile. It wasn't like a huge like, <laughs> you know, but he was just like, he was just at peace. I knew, I just knew, I knew without looking that there was someone standing next to him. I just knew. And so when I walked up, I was like, it was the Holy Spirit. No, just kidding. There actually was someone standing next to him, but she was just smaller than him. And I couldn't see her, right? And it was like that kind of spirit, that kind of of being, essence, of just knowing someone is next to you and you're safe, right? And they were just standing there and they were just looking at birds. Like, like there were moments they were talking and laughing, but there were other moments they were just, you know, just, just watching. It, it really wasn't that long. It sounds like I was watching them for a really long time. It wasn't that long. But, but you know, the, the, the moments that I think that they were just still, I mean, you, you don't even need to say anything, but you just know that person is there. And this is the way it is with God. You just know God is there. You don't always need to say something all the time. Heavenly Father, God, I praise you, I love you. I mean, you can do that. But there are many times where it just doesn't make sense and people are going to look at you like you're crazy, you know? You got to do your job and you got to go. But if you just have that sense, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not alone. It's a different kind of spirit, a different kind of essence, a different kind of, 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 of energy that you're living out of, right? And so... Next thing is, and, and this is part of that, disconnect from the negative. Now, I, I want to explain this just a little bit because I, I, you know, I talked about the guilt and shame thing. Yeah, you got to disconnect from that. 
some of the messages that you get, I know in, in the morning, what I used to do every morning when I woke up is I would check the news. And the news is always just terrible, you know? And, you know, there are other people on social media or other people that, you, that you're just around. And when I say negative, I'm not trying to say this as a pejorative, but I'm trying to say that there is a kind of energy, right, that, that you know, other people are in the spirit of fear. And, and to be honest, a lot of the messages that we use, right, um, that, that the media uses, uh, that, that, you know, uh, advertisers use, it's usually the spirit of fear. It's one of the most effective ones to get you to pay attention. You know what I mean? And maybe some of you, like everything you're, you're like, I don't know, you're watching Netflix or something, and you're in kind of a bad mood, and you're watching something really dark. You know, maybe, maybe it's not the best thing to watch right now. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, it's not real. I know it's not real, but it might be affecting your spirit in some way. And there might be times where you need to disconnect from the negative. I'm not saying that we just turn our, our, our back on all of the bad news in the world, because that's not it. Christians are supposed to be the light of the world, right? We're supposed to go out and shine, you know? And so, yes, we do have to confront evil and terrible things. And you got to live your life, and there is going to be some stuff that is negative in your life. And I'm not saying, like, no, 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 I'm not going to hear anything negative. I'm just saying that it might do your spirit good to disconnect from it sometimes. You know, you know what I mean? If someone's being really, really negative, you know, again, I'm not saying cast them out of your life forever, but maybe just for a moment, don't hang out with them for a little bit. Maybe you should go pray or go for a walk, right? Disconnect from those things that are bringing you into the kind of spirit um, that is not of God and connect to the things, right? But you can't connect until you disconnect, right? And that's why the first three are all about disconnection. And that's probably why I didn't call it connect four because that would be really confusing because first three are disconnect, right? The third one, disconnect from the need to be productive. Man, I got to tell you, friends, this is a hard one. I, I heard someone say recently, and it was like one of those like Jimmy Fallon, or it was like a, a talk show, so I, I don't know if it was real. I tried to find the statistic, and I couldn't find it. But what I remember hearing, so you know, don't, don't, you know, <laughs> don't quote me on this, but what I remember hearing them saying is that about 42% of people, so almost half of people, just feel bad when they're not being productive. And maybe some of you are like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's just the way we are. But friends, just think about it. Can you be productive all the time? Should you be productive all the time when you sleep, when you're relaxing, when you're hanging out with friends, when you're just catching up with someone? Can we always be productive? But there is this thing within us where many of us, we feel bad. Like, like there's something lacking within me if I am not doing something really productive. And one of the things about connecting with God is that I'm going to say this, and I, I, I hope you understand what I mean. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, as in it's not productive. You know what I mean? You're just hanging out with God, and you're just being still with God. If you see my prayer time, most of the time, I'm not like, you know, God, let's pray for this. It's just, just me just very calmly just sitting and doing nothing. And I got to tell you, it was the hardest thing. When I was learning my prayer routine, it was one of the hardest things was that feeling of, I'm not doing anything. I need to do something productive. And, and we, we got to get out of that because that is so much driven by the, the spirit of fear. If I don't produce, I'm nothing. I'm not worth anything, right? It's like the, the devil when he was tempting Jesus and he was like, oh, I know you're mad hungry because you haven't eaten anything in 40 days. Look at that bread right, or look at that rock right there. You can turn it 
into something good. You can do it, right? You can be the source of your own life. And that's what many of us are trying to do. Yeah, it feels good when you're productive, when you feel like you did a lot of things. And a lot of us, we live on that. It has become our life. Can there be a moment where you literally are not doing anything and can be profoundly okay? You're just loved. You're a child of God. You don't need to do anything right now. And so disconnect from the need to be productive. And one of the things you can do is, you know, do things where you're wasting time. <laughs> you know, as a spiritual discipline. I know that sounds funny, but it's not going to kill you to go for a walk for 20 minutes in beautiful nature where you're just reminded, God created all this, right? And, and maybe that's a way that you can connect to God. So um, the fourth and last part is just simply align yourself to the reality that you are the beloved of God. And this is just a catch-all. I didn't want to make this a message about, you know, hey, these are four ways to connect to God. I've done this before, actually. You know, uh, talking about different forms of prayer you can do, uh, about, you know, meditating on Scripture or memorizing Scripture. All those are excellent, by the way. Um, Soaking in praise songs, I've given that advice before. Walking in nature, I just gave you like four. But, you know, those are all things you can do. And friends, whatever it is, as long as it just helps you to realign to the reality that you are the beloved of God. It realigns you to the fact that you are not God. God is the one who's doing it in you, for you. It brings about a lot of humility, right? And whatever gets you there, that's what's important. And friends, there's all this stuff that's, you know, where, where so I, the, the, I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and you are in me as the Father is in me, and as the Father has loved me, so, so you know, I love you. And there's this connection that we have. And then there's this other language that is kind of weird, where, where it starts saying, like, you know, ask whatever you want in my name, and I'm going to give it to you. And you're like, what? That's, that seems like a little bit of a departure. But what it's trying to say is that now you are going to be able to pray for things within the will of God, and you're going to be able to see them happen if you are aligned to who God is. If you're praying out of a selfish spirit, James talks about this, right? Um, you do not ask because you do not, or you do not receive because you do not ask. And when you ask, you ask out of these selfish motives. And many of us, we're asking out of a spirit of fear. We're like, God, can you give me more money? God, can you give me an A on that test? Because if I don't, then I'm going to fail. And so, God, if you love me, you're going to give me this. And God's like, no. If I love you, I'm not going to give you that because you're just going to get addicted to this, right? And so in many ways, you're going to learn how to pray better when you are connected to the Spirit of God. Right? Does that make sense? And so do the things that get you connected to the Spirit of God. I, I do think having a designated prayer time every day is helpful. But I got to tell you, it's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt have a quiet time, and it shall be roughly 20 to 30 minutes, and you shall read the scripture, and you shall pray, and you shall... There, there's nothing in there. But what we do see is Jesus, when everyone is freaking out, and, and there's people looking for him because they're sick and they want healing and they're hounding the disciples and the disciples are like, where's Jesus? Jesus, where are you? And you know where Jesus is? He took a boat, went across the little lake to a lonely place where no one else was. And what did he do? No clue. All we know is he went to be with God. Doesn't tell us. Because you would have made a, a law out of it. You're like, oh, this is exactly what Jesus did. You've got to do it exactly this way. 
that may not connect you to God, right? It probably involved prayer. It probably involved listening to the word of God, right? I mean, those things, they're tried and true. Don't get me wrong. But my point is to help you to not think of this in a legalistic way, to not think of it in a prideful way. Oh, man, I read the scripture today. I'm so good, right? It's just, how do I connect? How do I connect? How do I stay in connection? How do I stay in fellowship? How do I stay in communion? How do I stay in love? That's what it's about. Speaking of communion, we're going to go into a time of communion right now. <laughs> you like that? You like that transition? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, forgive me, I'm a child of God. <laughs> I'm not living out of this. Uh, anyways, we're going to go into this, this time of communion.